Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NFL. I don't think it's going to enter this body. I don't want no parts of it. It don't want no parts of me. I think it's a mutual respect. So I wasn't really worried about the test. I was just more, you know, in my mind, for me and my maturity level, I felt like it was the right thing to do to mention. I may not have been feeling well. I just wouldn't want it to spread throughout the whole building if there was a case that I would have possibly had it. Odell Beckham Jr. with some uh, unusual medical analysis right there, PK. There's mutual respect. It's not going to enter this body. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't expect anything else from Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, cancer's just deathly afraid of me, ironically. And me getting a cold, cold wants no part of this. The flu, uh, COVID, nah, you name it. Go ahead, name anything. Name an ailment, Sniggy. Kidney stones. Nah. <laughs> no, you know, I told you this story now that I think of it, and I had no idea I would say this until right now. Uh, when I was getting ready to go to NAU, my father, he gave me one piece of advice. He said, don't get VD. I said, Dad, VD wanting no part of this body. It respect me. It ain't going to happen. Don't you worry there, Dad. And, and you know what happened? Or in this case, you know what didn't happen? It respected you and you didn't get VD. No. And boy, I didn't know I was going to say that either, let me tell you. No idea. You got to say it with a Northeast accent, buddy. VD. VD. That's more south, but okay. Uh, That just sounds like a goofball. I don't know what what part of the country needs to take the blame for that lousy accent. Son, don't get VD. I didn't. I got no VD. Speaking of the northeast part of the country, two bad football teams that reside in that part of the country will play tonight. The 1-5 New York Giants, the 1-4-1 Philadelphia Eagles, 620 on Fox and the NFL Network. Enjoy. They're just teams that are progressing. Don't you rip me. That's my original division. Does it really feel like the Giants are progressing, or does it feel like they're stuck? Yeah, they were 0-5, and and now they're 1-5, so they're progressing. Progressing through the seventh game on their schedule, that's what they're doing. No, they were 0-5, and and what do you want? They're led by a quarterback with the initials DJ, so, I mean, expecting that rapid improvement is not going to happen. Let me tell you about it. That was unnecessary. 7 o'clock hours, just roaring already. The NFC East, a combined 5-18 and 18 with that one tie from Philadelphia. Thank you very much. 5-18-1. It's the worst division in football. It's the second worst record for any division since the merger. It's awful. And two of the teams will be front and center tonight. And with a win, this is a chance to either tie for first place or take over first place, depending on what happens on the weekend. So, big game in the division <clears throat> race. I'm conflicted, though. You know, I've got experience with both cities. And so where do I go? Every time this game is played twice a year, it's just really, really troublesome for me. You don't know who to root against? No, four, man. Four, not against. That's pretty positive for you. Oh, man. I need combat pay over here. 
The Raiders have placed right tackle Trent Brown on the reserve COVID-19 list. They sent all five of the starting offensive linemen home due to contact tracing proposals. Raiders scheduled to host the Bucks in the Sunday night game at Allegiant Stadium. Tom Brady in primetime. Who knew? And, of course, one thing all the teams have been worried about is what happens if a whole position group gets wiped out, especially the offensive line, and the game would be off. So we'll see what the testing says the next couple days for the Raiders. Well, that's shocking to me because offensive linemen, they're some of your tougher guys, and you think the disease or the illness of the virus would be afraid of those dudes. Thank you, Odell. Mutual respect. <laughs> mutual respect. Yak really likes mutual respect. I just the this will not enter this body. Okay, bud. Wondered what entered, what has entered that body. Le'Veon Bell says he sees his opportunity to play with the Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champs, as a chance to reinvent himself. He says I played at a high level for so long. I had two years with the Jets, where it has not been a high level, and people kind of look at it like that. So I want to get here, get my feet back under me, get in a good offense, get the ball when I can, and not have too much pressure. I mean, just play football. I think coming here will give me the opportunity to do that. There are a lot of good players. I don't necessarily have to worry about how many times I'm touching it. Sounds good now, but. After a game of two carries and one reception. Hey, Yak, make a drop of that last quote of DJ saying that. Okay. <laughs> Dolphins quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick surprised by the announcement that he's being benched in favor of Tua Tagovailoa. I was shocked by it. It definitely caught me off guard. It was a hard thing for me to hear yesterday. Just kind of digesting the news. My heart just hurt all day. It was heartbreaking for me. There was a lot of stuff going through my mind just from a personal standpoint, not necessarily with the team. Is it like... Was that my last game as an NFL player in terms of being the starter and going out there and playing? Ryan Fitzpatrick getting all up in his feelings there yesterday, PK. Well, he, he was honest and he was true. Uh, yeah, I don't know necessarily how Miami's administration and uh, Flores received it, but you can't knock the guy for making a statement. I mean, we want guys to tell us the truth. He's telling us the truth. And he laid it all out there. If I were the Dolphins, if uh, Tua has a couple of good games, I would definitely be open to uh, trading Fitzpatrick and getting something back for him because so you're not going to get anything for him. Oh, you'll get He's something. He's 37 years old now. You're going to get anything. There's going to be a quarterback injury. Somebody's going to need somebody. Draft choices are way too valuable. I was going to say this is not a 37 year old quarterback. Yeah. I, there's no way. Just seven months after signing guard Quinn in Spain to a three-year, $15 million contract extension, the Bills have released the six-year veteran. He lost the starting job at left guard to a second-year player, Cody Ford, in week two. Seven months after getting three years and $15 million, they cut him. Release him. Oops. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Just remove complacency from being an option with our room. Uh, we got guys that are healthy again, which is another factor. I don't think that you can get into the midpoint of the season and, and start feeling fat and happy with your job. I think as coaches, we got to feel, keep feeling pressure. I think the O-line needs to keep feeling pressure. We got guys that have been out for a long time that are healthy and so stable's full and everybody's competing and who plays on Saturday it's going to be based on their week of practice it's going to not be based on any other game ever in the history of this place it's going to be based on this week of practice and that's who's going to play on Saturday night that's BYU offensive line coach Eric Mateos right there and PK I hear him talk and the first thing I think is they are still really frustrated that they had that poor performance against UTSA so anything they can do to put everyone on edge can't be coming up flat, and the team was flat in that game. So this is one way to keep the offensive line on edge. 
Oh, every time I hear him speech, the first and only thing I hear is coach speak. This guy's a coaching cliche when it comes to this stuff. I would expect nothing less from him. Look under coaching manuals of what coaches are supposed to say, and he's going to say it. That's what I hear. LSU has self-imposed penalties related to the NCAA's investigation into improper booster payments to its football players. SI first reporting the Tigers are going to lose eight scholarships over two years. They're going to reduce recruiting visits, evaluations, and communications. And they banned Cleveland Browns wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. from football facilities for two years. LSU's football program is charged with a level three violation involving Beckham, who gave $2,000 in cash to four Tiger football players on the field after the win over Clemson in the college football national championship game on January 13th. Well, the thing about that is Beckham doesn't want to go into the facility, and the facility doesn't want Beckham in there. There's a mutual respect there, so you don't have to worry about that. Nice. Nice job. Nice. Well done. Well done. The eight scholarships, they know this is pretty serious if they're going to uh, if they're gonna do that to themselves. And Beckham was seen on camera counting out cash, so. <laughs> There's not much wiggle room in this one. Well, their SID right after that happened on camera. That's fake money. Uh-huh, sure it is. Meanwhile, Kentucky basketball said Odell Beckham is re- welcome here anytime. <laughs> Come on down. University of Florida's football program remaining closed through Monday. They're attempting to navigate a COVID outbreak there. The coach, Dan Mullen, tested positive last week, told reporters he remains in isolation. He's feeling well. Program received another positive test yesterday, so that's 26 since October 13. So Florida, of course, having the game canceled last weekend. So they'll stay shut through Monday. College football tonight, the Sun Belt, Arkansas State, Appalachian State, ASU versus ASU. What will you do, PK? You're going to be torn asunder by an NFL game and a college game at the same time. Oh, no, not at all. I've got roots. I have been to Arkansas State. I'm all about Arkansas State. 5.30 on ESPN, DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. It's something to have a talk to with the medical staff and with the performance team. I really can't answer that question right now, but the most important thing is, you know, the health of our players and whatever's best for our team and best for our players, that's how we will handle it. So um, I can't really comment on it right now because I don't know. Until I talk to Kawhi. Tyron Lue right there, the Clippers' new coach. How much load management will there be with Kawhi Leonard going forward? As much as Kawhi Leonard wants. There it is. Finally, something we agree on, PK. Stan Van Gundy. You're right. (laughs) Stan Van Gundy, four-year deal to become the new head coach of the Pelicans. He'll be their seventh head coach in Pelicans history. Of course, he's been in Miami and Orlando and Detroit with varying degrees of success. Oh, brother. Oh, the good thing is I don't have to listen to his politics when he's doing basketball because he was way over the top. This will be trip number four on the merry-go-round. You got a feeling for how this one's going to go? Or just file it next to all coaching uh, hires you don't know? Yeah, in about four or five years, they're going to make a change. They're going to have a new fresh start with somebody who's been in his fourth coaching spot. Come on. Minnesota Timberwolves say they do not have a consensus top prospect to pick. They've got the first choice in the NBA draft. It's set for November 18th. It's less than a month away, but they don't know who's going number one. I thought Ball's kid was going number one. He's in the mix. 
And you may well end up going that way. But Well, it depends point, on what they think that they can do with Towns, how long they could keep him before he says he's had enough and he wants out. Because if they can somehow manage to keep him, which Minnesota has had a difficult time doing, the weather's brutal. They haven't been good. The West is stacked. Like even if at. even if they get a little better, how much is it really going to change in the standings? So if Towns forces his way out one way or another, then they might have to go big. Obviously, Ball is a bigger uh, guard, but that would be my just off the top of my head guess is the direction that they go right now anyway. But I, I have to admit, I haven't spent a lot of time on the draft. If this would have been June, we would be doing it a lot more. But because it isn't, we got other stuff going on. Football the draft season. hasn't been anything yeah. close to being forefront on my mind. Right. And with the Jazz drafting about uh, two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through the first Pick round. 23. Yeah, that's uh, not worried about sorting out the top five because that whole group will be gone. And the Jazz aren't trading into that. That would be a shocker if they did that. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Now the 3-1, swing and a drive, hit towards left center field, giving Chase's Taylor all the way back to the wall. It's gone! A first-inning homer for Brandon Lau. one nothing Rays. Swing and a fly ball, well hit into left field. Going back is Taylor, all the way back to the wall. It's gone! A two-run homer for Brandon Lau, his second of the night, and the Rays have a 5 nothing lead. And they go on to win 6-4. to four. Dodgers rallied, made it a little interesting, had the uh, had a chance there to tie it up, but couldn't get a break, PK. That was a screaming line drive to third base. That should have driven in a run and brought, uh, I think it would have been Turner to the plate as a go-ahead run. But you hit it right at the third baseman, and that's the end of that. Yeah, Lau got hot with the two home runs. Should be pronounced low, but it's uh, pronounced Lau, and... This, this is why I favor Tampa a little bit more. Is because I like their starters more. I like their bullpen more. And just a slight edge. Uh, but certainly the Dodgers can win. Sets it up uh, for some real good pitching with, uh, with Bueller and uh, Morton going. Those, those guys get great records. So I, just, I don't like this bullpen approach deal. I just wonder what... What kind of mindset do you have? It seems just seems weird. Come in, do your inning or two, but you're not really responsible for the game. I can't control what's going on in the game, but I can come in here in the third inning or the fifth inning or whatever, get my three outs, and that's it. Yeah, you feel like you're watching a spring training game. A little bit, yeah. And the thing is now, the Dodgers uh, threw seven pitchers, but even with Snell on the mound, I mean, usually, you know, six innings, quality start, and Snell gets pulled after four and two-thirds. Now, he did walk four guys, uh, but two runs on two hits with nine strikeouts and four walks and four and two-thirds innings. I mean, they've won the game. He doesn't get the victory because you got to go five innings. But do you think he feels good about that start as they won the game? The series is 1-1. Well, but that I don't know how much is that is on him. So he gave up a couple runs. I know. Boom, you're gone. It's a quick hook. Who's to say that he wouldn't have... Uh, Given up you know, two runs over seven situation. innings. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. You're you're kind of implying that he should feel bad about it. I don't know I that don't he know should. That I would. Yeah. Well, I I think you feel bad that you didn't get through the fifth inning. Usually that means you got lit up. You didn't get let to. But go he did. The I know. Fifth inning. But it's the 
it's not the bullpen approach we were talking with the Dodgers, but it's still a pretty aggressive bullpen approach. Yeah, that's the way the game is played now. Yeah. So maybe he feels good about his And I get it more with Tampa because they got a slew of guys out there that just bring it real fast up to the plate. Well, he gave up two runs in four and two-thirds, and the bullpen gave up two runs in four and one-third. So... It worked for him. They tied up the series 1-1. Cash couldn't care less what Snell thinks, man. He's trying to win ball games. Yeah. Game three tomorrow night. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Texas State beat reporter for the Austin American Statesman, Kef Ciardello. Did I come close on that? We're going to find out together. Okay, good. Brian Kill, 830, former BYU linebacker, his weekly visit. And BJ Rains covers Boise State for the Idaho Press Tribune. We talked to him a few weeks ago. Get the update on where the Broncos are as they get ready to play Utah State this week and BYU two weeks later. So that's at 930. DJ and PK, the question of the day. Oh, if only the universe had unfurled itself in a different order, PK. I know. Wish you would have. All right. Well, we'll try to figure all that out next. Stay with us. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Riley Nelson with us here on The Big Show. If we were to limit you to a declarative statement about Zach Wilson, what would your story be? I think he's shown some tremendous skill. I think he's got some great work. He's very complete as a thrower of the football. I also think his understanding of the game is really good. He's done extremely well against the competition this year. But the reality is, I don't feel that this particular season it has been tested to the degree that I'd like to see it. To call him a bona fide can't-miss NFL guy, he's only 20 years old. So there's plenty of space before this guy reaches his ceiling. I think he is an NFL prospect. But is he a finished prospect as a college football player? No. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an interesting SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Question, question of the day. Something we were discussing right at the end of the show yesterday. And you shushed me, PK. That is tomorrow's show. <laughs> good call by you. No reason, Thank you. No, no reason to torch a good topic like this one at 9.53. That's just yeah. poor planning and, quite frankly, bad radio. Don't make no sense. But as a tease, it was excellent. Uh, yeah, it's true. So here's the question, and I think everybody's pondered this at some point. I think uh, I think you Nagy fans have pondered this about BYU. Oh, the preponderance of pondering is very high. Exactly. Well said. What would BYU's record be at this point in the season with its original schedule? 6-0. and No, that's wrong. 7-0. and Possibly, because they would have played seven games at this point. To refresh your memory, they were supposed to open up with the University of Utah. Then take that back. Then one loss, obviously. Then Michigan State. Yeah, I know where you're going. Uh, BYU is going to go to the Utes, host Michigan State, and then travel to face the Arizona State Sun Devils. That's why PK says one loss, obviously. Finish the month. Had uh, limited uh, alerted me to. Tickets round trip eighty one bucks that I bought. Wow, for that you, game. You and I both were going to go down there and cover that game, but 
universe had other ideas. After the Utes, the Spartans, and the Sun Devils, they were going to go to Minnesota for Minnesota's homecoming game. First time they would have ever met. That was their September schedule. And in October, they would have had uh, Utah State, uh, Missouri, and Houston, all of which were scheduled to be home games. So they would have been seven games deep and getting ready for Northern Illinois. Yeah, and let me just say, homecoming at the college level is absolutely ridiculous. Because? Nobody participates. What are you going to do? You have a homecoming king and queen court? It's high school stuff. It's like, I can tell you, after you get out of college, you don't have a best friend. After you get out of high school, you don't have a homecoming. I defy anybody to argue that with me. Homecoming is about who's popular in high school, the worst seniors, and they get to be the homecoming king and queen. And then you have a dance afterward. And all the popular kids get to go, and all the kids who aren't don't, so they have those issues. But don't bring it and try to project it on college. Yuck, did you go to homecoming? I did. Oh, popular kid over there. Yeah. Not me. Loner. Troubled loser. But the last thing we need is homecoming at college. That's just ridiculous. It's like in in your 40s. Well, my best friend, grow up. Your best friend. How stupid is that? Good friend, close friend. But there's no such thing as a best friend after I, I after 35. I'm not going. You can't have a best friend after 35. There's no need to have college homecoming. Nobody acknowledges it. Just stop Minnesota's homecoming. Who gives a flying you-know-what? Which brings us back to our question, what would BYU's record be at this point with its original schedule? 6-1. and one. Keegan tweets at us, it would either be 7-0 and oh or 6-1. and one. This team is vastly different than that team's past, than team's past anything yet. And it is frustrating that people like you can't see it. Yeah, I agree. It is frustrating that people like you can't see it. BYU, he's Keegan Underwood at BYU underscore Homer 7. I had no idea. It's pretty aggressive. We haven't even said what we would think yet, and he's already tweeting at us. He tweeted in the break before you said 6-1. and one. Tweets are my own, trying to be Christ-like and defend the doctrine, hopeful about BYU sports. Exclamation point. Don't you ever call me a homer! Defend the doctrine? Yep. The doctrine speaks for itself. It needs no defense. <laughs> That's right in your wheelhouse. Man, if I've heard you say you that one. You that one up. I know, right? <laughs> PK, you need to be able to repeat your golf swing and your radio takes. <laughs> I'm not, I don't have to defend the doctrine. I can't try to convince you. It convinces you because it's truth. That's the way it works. Come on, even I know that. Well done. <laughs> Hit us up on our uh, Facebook page, DJ and PK. Garrett says, not sure what their record would be, but I can tell you it would have been 10 in a row for the Utes. Would it have been? Garrett firmly believes that, and there's a decent chance that Garrett is a Ute fan. Should I click on that and see if, he got it, if he's wearing any Ute gear? What's his last name? Stewart. He's got a picture of his three kids. 
Well, in recent years, I haven't been conflicted at all as far as picking Utah to win. And even some games, it looked like they were going to lose. I mean, they're up uh, in the second half. They're down. Utah is by 20. Uh, Taysom Hill leading uh, the Cougars on a great uh, touchdown drive. Got all the momentum. Two-point conversion. For the win. Yeah, which I agree with. I totally agree with that. Go for it. Uh, so even in the face of those, obviously the predictions, they're before the game, hence predictions. Um, but this one, this game, I can't go back and recall off the top of my head, but this game I would have been the most conflicted in just automatically going with Utah under the circumstances because I've been a believer in Zach Wilson. Dylan Colley took it to another level saying he could go down as one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback in BYU history. I wasn't willing to go that far. I'm not a Colley. I'm not that bold. Uh, (laughs) But I have been a believer, and I think I've stated it many times over on this radio station, that I believe in this kid's talent. Uh, Even as he was uh, coughing the ball up through various ways uh, against Hawaii, and irritating and getting under the skin of BYU fans and mystifying me, I still believe that once he got it together that he would be sensational. And it's not so much that I believed it, it's people that I believe in told me that, which is what I've said a million times over also. So he's a different kid this year, and could that have made a difference against the Utes under the circumstances with the newness of the Ute football team? I think it possibly could have, yes. So you're saying there's a chance. More so than any in recent years, and I can't go back to say more so than the last time I felt this way was in 2000, fill in the blank, because I have to look at stuff. I can't recall stuff like you can like that. But so it would have, have been, it would have been early. It would have been early in the streak. The last time you picked BYU would have been 2009 when they won maybe or 2010 or 11, and after that you pretty much end up picking the Utes. Yes, yeah, because it's, you know, until I see otherwise. So I, I think, and we'll never know because I didn't have to make the pick, but I think I still would have gone with Utah because it would have been a normal year then, and then these two quarterbacks or three quarterbacks, if you believe, I don't I didn't necessarily believe it was a three-man race, but they would have had spring ball. I would have seen it. They, they Spring ball is wide open uh, as far as attendance. Uh, media can go uh, every spring game, or, or practice, I should say, not just game. And I would have had a much better feel for Rising and Bentley. So I would have a more educated thought process in reaching a prediction than I do right now where I haven't seen these guys competing for the starting job because even though Rising's been in the program I didn't see any way the NCAA was going to allow him to be eligible, so I didn't really believe that he was competing for a starting job. And when you're redshirting, you know, you're trying out there to do your best, but the sense of urgency isn't as good. So I couldn't hold him to the competing standards, even though I've seen him take a number of snaps. It would have been completely different this year. I did go to, uh, I think I went to at least one spring practice. I don't remember if I went to two because normally they start up and then I got to go to Vegas for conference tournaments. So I miss a few practices. And obviously in Vegas, the whole whole thing shut down. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't have as much uh, information than I would have. And maybe that would have led me to go, nope, I'm still going with the Utes. So 
I probably would have picked Utah to win the game. It probably would have been a game where I would have been less sure of my pick. A year ago when I picked Utah, it was a no-doubter. This year, I probably would have picked Utah because they've had the streak and Kyle gets his guys ready and there's the upper hand. But you just have to recognize that this year, BYU had a lot of the pieces coming back and Utah was still trying to figure out the pieces to the puzzle. Quarterback, all the starters on defense, we know the whole storyline. I probably would have picked Utah, but now having seen how BYU has played, and even going into the game, even if I hadn't seen it, I would have wondered, well, did I get it right? And now, definitely, you'd be thinking, well, did you get it right? I don't think they could have made it through those first four games undefeated. It's hard to know because none of those four opponents has played a game. You don't have anything to look at. You can look at what a BYU-Missouri game, and that would have been the fifth game, or sixth game, uh, what the BYU-Missouri game would have looked like, because Missouri's defense is bad. Missouri's three games into their season, and they haven't come close to stopping anybody. They've given up at least 35 points in every game. They're 1-2. and two. They did win a shootout with LSU, but BYU would have scored a ton of points on them. you got to give Eli Drinkwitz time. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well said. You just like to say his name. So I think you got these three wins here. I think they'd be 3-0 October. What would they have done against the four teams they played in September? Two Big Ten, two Pac-12. None of them have played a game yet. Sitting here right now, I think they would have gone at least 2-2. Two and two. They could have easily gone three and one, you know. There's the. Oh, I think they could have gone four and zero. Oh. Really? Yeah. Because they had a letdown against UTSA, and they would have lost if they'd been playing a better team. Oh yeah, but if they're playing a better team, they don't. They wouldn't have the letdown. Have the letdown. Yeah, yeah. I think the sense of urgency is there. Uh, Powell got loose with the ball, I think, uh, subliminally. Eh, if we turn it over. We're still going to win, which ended up being right anyway. They still did win, but if you had a heightened sense of awareness, and the way that first possession was, boom, 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 right there, they're down inside the red zone in a blink of an eye, and he gets loose with the ball, and it fumbles, and he loses it, and the other team gets it. So my guess is that nope, he would have covered that thing up, and you know, first of all, probably wouldn't have been as easy to get right down to the ten yard line in a blink of an eye, which in retrospect, might have been the worst thing for the Cougars that particular Saturday because it just screamed, we are just going to roll. Yeah. Everybody relax. This is another blowout. Uh, and it didn't turn out that way. And it actually was better for the program that it didn't turn out that way. You know, the Aaron Rodgers thing that he said on Sunday, this could be good for us when they went down to Tampa and lost to the Buccaneers. So same type of thing. That UTSA thing, actually, under the circumstances, since they've been creaming guys up until that point, was, was good for them. It was something in which you can heighten awareness and and uh, coachability and all these things on every level, uh, from the coaching staff right on down. So uh, I don't know that that would have transpired against this other schedule. But as I look at this team this year, those first four games with the Minnesota was the one that is most baffling to me, as far as how uh, good are predicting. they? Yeah, how yeah, good are they? Because I don't follow Minnesota that much. I have family, extended family that has Michigan roots. And uh, so I've got a wife's brother's son, so he's a nephew through marriage, who went to Michigan State and is fanatic, and we talk to him about it, and he knows everything about him, and, he, and I talk to him about it. So I feel like I have a better uh, handle on Michigan State, uh, but don't have one as much with Minnesota. Know that obviously Fleck has done a tremendous job. So my guess is that could have been difficult, but I can conceivably see them winning the other three games. Doesn't mean they would have, 
but I can I see a way. But worst case scenario, could have. Worst case scenario, they're five and two. Best case scenario, they're seven and zero. Oh. I mean, not only do you not know about those teams in advance of when the games would have happened, you literally don't know about any of those four teams right now. They're all coming off winning seasons. Michigan State, seven wins. ASU, eight wins. Utah and Minnesota, 11. We follow the Utes the closest. We know how much they have in the way of losses and how many guys they have to replace. Uh, yeah, but you can argue how much do we really know about BYU. I can hear Ute fans screaming at us right now. Yeah. What do we really know about them? We know they were good enough to split four games at the start of last season against Power 5 teams. And that they last year they were playing three eight win teams and eleven win team. There were no really bad teams in that mix. Tennessee was playing poorly at the time. You can argue they started zero and two, and then it got worse, and then it got a lot better, and they finished strong. Yeah, who they beat? I mean, we just we always dump on BYU who they beat, but we look at Tennessee's record. Oh gosh, they got better, but we don't. I can't tell you who they beat without looking at it. I don't know it off the top of my head. I just know they who they played last week, and they got creamed by Kentucky. And this week they're going to get creamed by Alabama. They are going to get creamed by Alabama. <laughs> That's a CBS game if you'd like to watch the creaming. <laughs> Bama by is, three touchdowns. Bama by four scores. Cremation. Uh, in their win streak last year, they beat uh, when they won six in a row to close the season. Don't don't read off their list, please. South Carolina. He's going to do it. UAB. All Nobody right, cares. Here we go. Get. Nobody cares. Don't read schedules. Georgia, Florida, and Alabama. That's who they so beat. He, he did it anyway. <laughs> no, they didn't. They lost all three didn't. of those. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't put LSU in there. <laughs> Nobody would have believed it. They didn't play LSU. <laughs> I know, but what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> Just sell it. Sell it. So you don't think 5-2 and two is the floor? When I say they finished between 5-2 and two and 7-0, and oh, it could have gone worse. You hear you oh, fans you screaming. Put any number in there. How can I argue that? What? How can I argue if you if you think that? How can I say oh, that's ridiculous? Well, you've been doing it for nineteen <laughs> years. I mean, just do it and then sell it. Go ahead. Yeah, but you're you're we're all just guessing to a good fact. Degree. Fact. So we are. If you say something that I strongly disagree with, I'll say it. But. In this circumstance, how do we really know? We don't. So I, how, how an... can I strongly disagree with something that I really have no clue on? See what I'm saying? I do. Yeah, I would just say, uh, I get your point. I would just say it hasn't bothered you in the past. Well, n- I would disagree with that. <laughs> it has bothered <laughs> you. You've just done it anyway. No, I... I haven't done it. That's where I'd. Bo- that's where I would argue with you. When I strongly disagree with you, I'll call you out as a nincompoop. That's where I would. Without the strong disagreement, I don't say. So oh, what I number? Disagree. What what combination of numbers could I throw out there that you would strongly disagree with? Well, you go those first four, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just start with them to keep it simpler. Right. Those are two Pac-12 games, yeah. two big, two Big Ten games. Right, and that's somehow that's an easy thing to put in a box. The way right. you summarized it like that, I could literally make a case for zero and four and four and zero. Yeah, I, I can't make the case for zero and four. I don't really I believe. Could. I don't believe either one of those. Okay, I, I think but they would have been between three and one and one. It's about yeah. making a case for. 
Okay, but at what point have they gone 0-4 against the big-time competition? The quote-unquote Power 5 big-time competition. They always manage to pull off a win. I can go through and read all the old schedules, but I just don't think I'm going to find one. I guess I should look at that three and nine year. Who did they get? Or four? There was a three. Well, they ran up four. They four, twice. four and nine. Four and nine. Yeah. You don't count the bowl win in that situation. <laughs> there was no bowl win. <laughs> trip to Hawaii in late November counted as such. <laughs> this will have to be the bowl trip, guys. I don't. I don't remember. I just know they looked awful against Portland State. Yeah, they didn't beat that year. They didn't beat anybody good. That year they got rolled. That was the year they went down to the Superdome and didn't cross midfield. Bad, bad, bad. Played close game of the Utes, but lost it. Well, that's the thing. That's another thing that I was going to say as far as predicting the Utah game is you've had crappy BYU teams that end up playing the Utes close. Nineteen thirteen, it was close. Yeah. Although I think that, you know, that game was a little, it wasn't quite as close as the score might lead you to believe. Because that would have been uh, Huntley's first year as the full-time starter. Was there a, a late BYU score that tightened up the tightened up the final number? Something like that. Yeah. Scoring their next last possession and the Utes punted it down to the 20 and ran out the clock, or stopped them and ran out the clock, I think. Wisconsin blew them out that year, and they went to Mississippi and State and got bad. beat. That yeah. was bad. That, that was Wisconsin bad. Wisconsin game was bad. They were never in that game. So that's, that's the one year. But I think we can all agree this team's way better than that team. That's the team that lost to UMass. Oh, I think they're way better than the last three years. Yeah, yeah. there's no question about that. But, but I still can make a case they would have lost every game, even though obviously that uh, probably wouldn't have been a high probability of that situation. I would think it would have been a very low probability. Okay, I, I can't argue with that, man. I think 5-2 and two or 6-1 and one would have been most likely. I have a hard time seeing them run the table because they've never run the table, and I have a hard time seeing them getting, uh, getting lit up in September because the only time they did is when they had a terrible team, and this okay. team is clearly it's better than that. 6-1, and 5-2... and two. Is that better than five and zero right now? At six and one, wouldn't they be ranked right about where they're ranked? Five and two, maybe not. Five and two, I could see where there'd be less buzz and they'd be ranked twenty. They'd probably be ranked, but you know they'd be ranked twenty third, and there would be less buzz. Uh, Part of what's happened this year is they're the only team playing in the western half of the U.S. They get they get to play in time slots where nobody else is on TV, so of course they're having a more attention focused on them. You know that six and one they would not have gotten to play on Labor Day night all by themselves. The yeah, only game I, in America. Yeah, but I don't I don't think that has anything to do with being in the West, though. That one doesn't. No, none of them do. When you look at it, none of the games because they haven't played late at night. At home. DJ and PK, hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. Hit us up on Facebook, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. From Athlon Sports, Brian Fisher. We all know that uh, they can start engraving Trevor Lawrence's name on that Heisman Trophy right now. But with that said, could Zach Wilson be sitting next to Trevor when he accepts that trophy in New York? I think so. And it's not just because of the outstanding play that, that he's had on the field, but I think it also helps really that he's kind of gotten the spotlight to himself, uh, you know, kind of this early part of the season. Certainly being one of the few teams in the mountain time zone itself to, to even be playing and able to make an impression on voters. And I think the way that he has been playing certainly qualifies him among the top three or four you know, most outstanding players in the country. And, and I think if they keep this up, if they maybe make it to that New Year's Six Bowl, I think they've got a real good chance. I think he can definitely finish as one of the finalists. And, uh, you know, that's credit to how well he's playing right now. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 7 at The Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Much better today. Well executed. I was ready. I know. (laughs) I knew you would be. I knew you knew I would be. I, you know, you, I could I could fool you with a with a with a change up once, but the second time you're going right. to time it and you're going to crush it to dead center field. You are, you are a Dodger at heart. Who was that? Was that Seager last night who did that? Bob, Corey, <laughs> Bob, Bob's bat speed isn't what it used to be. Seager did it at home run. He's like stuck. a rock. Yeah, <laughs> he's a stud. Yeah, absolutely, man. Smoltz was going guy. nuts. There's just no movement on that ball. He just barely missed it last time. He's not missing it this time. No, he's really good. Uh, he's a superstar in the making. And he's they do still, give us cool camera good. angles. That sky cam angle of that thing going out and hitting the wall behind the wall. Uh-huh. That, that was oh, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got a drone flying over the first baseline, the right field line. I love that. Getting good shots. Looks for a dome. It looks like a beautiful stadium. So that stadium right next door, is that their old one? That, yeah, that's, that yeah, they haven't yeah, torn yeah. down yet? Arlington. No, 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 it's still there. I don't know why they have the lights on every night. It's yeah, that's like the weird part. Why are the lights on at the other park? Because <laughs> AT&T yeah. Stadium's right on the street. They don't have the lights on it's, there. It's, it's Texas. There's probably a gremlin yeah. football game going on. It's probably it's basically the old property. Uh, um, I've been to the stadium, the football stadium, and the uh, old baseball, because I used to go, obviously, for TCU uh, every year literally with basketball and then every other football. I snuck into the baseball stadium once. The uh, season was over, but it was just barely over, and I saw a gate. I was able to walk in and check it out. Uh, but, yeah, now, now they got this new one, and it's just a nine iron away. They're building stadiums there at a stunning rate. That thing's 20 years old. Tear it down. Arlington and Atlanta. Who builds them faster? All right, you've got something you want to share. It's uh, rivalry-related. It's not a Utah-BYU rivalry-related, but... It is to an extent. Okay, let's hear it. What do you got? Set it up for us. uh, This is an Arizona receivers coach talking about recruiting, and we were talking about it at Arizona State. It sounds like that they've uh, decommitted four kids this week, which makes me think they've got kids who are better and they want them. And so this is... this. And, and the Utes play Arizona uh, in the first game. So it's a receivers coach talking about how good the recruiting is going. Advantage is nobody can visit campus. Disadvantage is nobody can visit campus. So, uh, so yeah, honestly, this is going to be a, an interesting recruiting cycle. Uh, but I do notice, other than maybe possibly some school up north, uh, that most guys are sticking with their commitments. 
That school up north. Urban Meyer impacting the Arizona rivalry, and he doesn't even know it. Well, some school up north. Uh, and he goes on to say how, you know, how good their recruiting is doing. Yeah, that's just BS right there. The recruiting sucks. Uh, they've gotten no four- or five-star recruits since someone has been there. Zero. The big old zero. School up north. gotten 20. Uh, school up north. Well, you know, for a lot of times with Urban, it was TDS, Team Down South. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, for the folks in Tempe, uh, it's not TDS. It's uh, POS DS. On School Up North. Yeah, that's the way we refer to the U of A. POS DS. You get my drift? Not feeling the love in the room. Nope. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get. Uh, I didn't get uh, Marshall Falk, but I, I got that. <laughs> that one. That one I got. My name's you. Why didn't they do it? Oh, that's why I think Utah should embrace BYU because it's absolutely fun to have a rivalry and mm-hmm. win most of the time, or as no fans one. like to refer to it, all of the time. No anonymous receivers coach in the Pac-12 is going to take a shot at Utah. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Who would do that? Why would they do that? Yeah. They're not even going to acknowledge him. And I think it's time for Kalani to stop with the uh, it's an honor to play Utah, that type of thing. We're, I, think we're, I think we're beyond that from, from, Utah, from BYU's perspective. I get your buddies with Kyle. Kyle refuses to say BYU. He'll never. He say will that. not let those letters cross his lips in that order. Nope, won't happen. I can tell you. I think people know. I know him a little bit, and I've had conversations that don't even reference football, but reference his time there, and he won't say it. When I was in college, when I was playing, but he'll avoid it. Oh yeah, when I was going that to that place down south. He'll say stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, DJ and PK coming up next. Kef Ciardello, Texas State beat reporter for the Austin American Statesman, joins us next. Brian Keel at 8.30. BJ Reigns, Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press Tribune at 9.30, right here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone.